This episode of Aphorisms is recorded in London, the colonial capital, and on the unceded lands of the Gadigal and Wongal peoples. We pay our respects to elders past, present and future. Oh, hey there. Welcome back to episode 11 of um, Aphorisms. My God, when did that happen? Um, We have a packed schedule um, for you this week. We've obviously got Real Housewives of Potomac um, and Salt Lake City to chat about, but we have also so many Housewives updates that have happened this week. Um, plus, don't know if you heard, but a lesbian Christmas rom-com came out, um, and Maddie and I had a lot of thoughts about it. So um, get settled in with whatever you're doing. If it's appropriate, grab a bevy um, and enjoy. Good morning, Maddie. Morning, Ash. Oh, no. Evening. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you going? Um, I'm going well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I mentioned to you the other day, I'm like I'm crawling to the finish line of the year and I can feel it in my grasp. Yeah. It's a long slog. Like the next two weeks, you're just like, it's too much. There's it's, too much happening. There's so much. But at least London has just come out of lockdown. Um, in we're in tier two still, but we can we can do things. We can go for dinner and drink, which is needed. Uh-huh. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> We've got lots to chat about this week. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like this for you is going to be a slog to the finish. Yeah. Um, it's not just things that happened as well on TV, but lots of things happened in Bravo Universe that I'm very excited to talk about. Yes, I'm so excited. Let's get started. But first. Astrology hacks. We have to do our horoscopes. Um, I'm doing my weekly horoscope from Scorpio Mystique, also by Dose Via, but you don't have a horoscope today, so what are you going to do? I'm going to talk about something else instead. Okay. You can just talk about my horoscope, but sure, you can talk about something else. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my horoscope for this week, um, from the 30th of November to the 6th of December, says... Scorpio, whether you want it to or not, your heart keeps opening and expanding, as does your capacity to give and receive love. Um, With this week's lunar eclipse in Gemini, activating your sector of depth and merging, and Venus spending another week in your sign, you'll realise that you're ready to trust again. Oh, good. That's been 32 years. Um, (laughs) You're ready to feel safe being your most passionate and free-spirited self without restraints. I mean that's good. I don't I don't particularly feel that. I don't feel like I wasn't that, you know? Yeah. That's but. not really the vibe you're giving off today. <laughs> what do you mean? I feel like you've like like you've given off the opposite energy today. Like you're very closed down. <laughs> no, I don't feel that way at all. I feel op- I feel um at peace. I've had a glass of wine. I feel amazing. Um it says you may have let your you may have let your hermit mode keep you in a spirit of deep self-reflection and self-protection these past two months but now this eclipse is showing you that there are other worlds out there ready for you to experience and ready to experience you do you know what okay i understand my horoscope now yes i've been in lockdown so i've been and i've also been feeling a little bit like i don't hate it you know it's getting colder i don't hate not working in an office i'm happy when it's raining all day because i don't have to do my hair or makeup. Well, I do it anyway, but like 
not to go out of the house and get it destroyed, you know. But yeah. this week, I've we've come out of lockdown yesterday, and I'm like itching to get back out and like just explore London more and kind of get back out there. When I was looking through pictures of when I first got here, and I was doing a lot, and I would go and do things every day and have an adventure, so I actually felt like I'm ready to go and have some more experiences and be experienced, as this tells me I am. Um, also, it says. Yeah. A world beyond pain, beyond struggle, beyond trauma. Oh, good. Open the door to that world whenever you're ready. I'm, I'm ready. Let's end the trauma. <laughs> Please, let's end the struggle and the trauma. Hopefully 2021 will be the year to do that. I hope so. I, hope, I want that for you, <laughs> Thanks. It's been a hard year. Any other reflections on your horoscope? Um, Not really. It was a full moon on Sunday. Mm-hmm. The full moon was beautiful on Monday. It was like it so shiny. Yeah, it was a pretty one. Well, oh what gosh. were you going to talk about? I want to talk about a couple of things. Okay. Um, instead of my horoscope this week, which they're not astrology related things. That's okay. But um, <laughs> considering that we just had um, in the US that Thanksgiving just passed, mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk about a couple of things in relation to that. And it's a, also a lead-in to Real Housewives as well. So, Brienne. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about, um, I think like previously on this podcast, I sort of had mentioned Native American people maybe in not the most thoughtful way, and I've been reflecting on that. Um, so uh, I am going to talk about like what lands the Real Housewives franchises that we're talking mm. about stand on today. Um, but before I do that, I just wanted to acknowledge um, that Thanksgiving just passed and that um, there has been a movement in the last couple of years for Native American people to celebrate truth-giving rather than um, Thanksgiving. So, like, truth-telling is a really important process for Indigenous people because, as we know, um, uh, settlers tend to write the history of society and settlers tend to control what we celebrate, um, what we're allowed to celebrate, what we're not allowed to celebrate. Um, So I really feel for Native American people on Thanksgiving because it's really, it's, I suppose, somewhat similar to how we feel in Australia. Australia Day. Like Australia Day. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Truthsgiving, if you want to learn more about Truthsgiving, you can go to seedingsovereignty.org. Um, But basically, um, it's a way of acknowledging Thanksgiving, acknowledging um, Native American history um, and engaging with this holiday in a way that's not um, celebrating a myth about um, the what what Native people might call Turtle Island or um, what's known now as um, North America. Um, So I just want to encourage people to check that out and recognize that the holiday season um, is quite difficult for a lot of Indigenous people, not just in the USA, but in Australia or any other um, nation set, uh, settled by uh, particularly Christian people. Because mm. for me personally, like I find Christmas really insane uh, because I live in such a hot place that's yeah. extremely <laughs> fiery in December. And yet, like, I feel, I always feel like I'm just like walking around in the twilight because there's snow decorations everywhere. Remember the Coke ad that was like a polar bear drinking like an icy cold can of Coke and there's like snow around it and you're like, what? 
yeah just it feels so irrelevant like a yeah. lot of like this time of year feels really stressful so like um you know the one of the members of seating sovereignty they wrote an um article for bustle and they were talking about like the season from like october to january is so stressful for native american people because um it starts with obviously halloween in october and um a lot of people want to dress up as mm. indigenous people for halloween so the anxiety starts with halloween it goes into november with thanksgiving or truthsgiving um and uh Native American people also refer to Thanksgiving as a day of mourning because it it's, it actually commemorates a massacre of mm-hmm. um, Native American people. And then, of course, we go into Christmas season, uh, which, you know, there's a very bad relationship between um, Christian churches and Indigenous people too. Yeah. So I just want to talk about... Um, I want to talk about the holiday season today, but with that stuff in mind. Okay. Because um, it's... It is really important to me to recognize. Um, and I also want to come into um, Potomac now. And let's do Potomac first, and we'll talk. I'll acknowledge the traditional owners there, and then we can acknowledge the traditional owners and discuss the pioneer pride in Salt Lake City after that. Sounds so good. So before we discuss Potomac today, I just want to acknowledge that Potomac is filmed on the lands of the Manahoac and Piscataway Coney people. Um, and I got that information from a website called nativeland.ca. And if you are looking for um, native land anywhere in the world, it is consistently updated, so it's not always completely accurate, but it's probably one of the closest global sources of finding um, who's who, which indigenous people's land you are on at any given time. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Well, then... Did you want to add anything else to that? I think that was really interesting and good to have resources so people can look up for themselves. Yeah. No, let's get into Potomac. Most importantly, Monique is alive. Yeah. We saw her. <laughs> She's real. <laughs> um, I feel like we haven't seen her in ages. Yeah. So wait, what um what episode <laughs> are we up to today? <laughs> um the latest one. So the episode of Potomac we were up to is season five, episode eighteen, and the the group have returned from Madeira. So Monique comes early to the shifty week party. What's a what's it called? La Dame weeks. Is that the? It's party? something and La Dame. It's like a collaboration between the guy that does her hair. Also, while I'm at it, shout out to the editors of Potomac. It's just so they're so wonderful. They're like a character in themselves. They literally did like a clip of Karen's horrible wigs before Stephen, her hairstylist, and then like after Stephen, her hairstylist. It, they're mm-hmm. so funny. I love whoever's editing this season. Um, but Monique ended up leaving before Candace got there. But there was, again, the editing was so wonderful. It looked like they were going to cross over in the elevator. And then the elevator opened and there was like nobody important in there. So Monique quickly had to skull like a glass of champagne and leave. And then they, I guess they're not allowed to be together. Right. Like this must be a legal thing. I don't know. I'm not really sure. I think it's just for, in everybody's best interest for them not to cross paths, which I was re- actually really relieved they didn't because they did with the editing, they did sort of build the tension that there was so much tension. I was like, <laughs> I was ready. I was tense. I was a little bit excited. Um, but then, I mean, as per usual, it didn't go anywhere. Um, 
So that was unfortunate. And Karen adamantly is like, I didn't set this up. I didn't want them to cross over. I didn't want to create drama. You know, I was doing this out of respect for Candace, but she didn't because she plainly said in Madeira that she didn't do it and then absolutely did it. So why do you think Karen did it? I think she was just playing both, like not playing both sides, but I think she's just a bit on the fence about this. So she probably invited Monique and then was like, oops, um, that was dumb. When all the girls were like, you didn't invite her, right? You know when you do something that you don't realize is an issue until three people looking at you tell you it's an issue and you're like, uh, yeah, I would never do something like that, obviously. And inside you're like, I've definitely done this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think she was just a bit on the spot and didn't realize her mistake until it was, like, you know, confronted to her while we're talking about Karen. I don't know what the occasion was. But there was a part of this episode where she kind of tried to get all sexy for Ray um, Mm -hmm. when he came home. And I was so uncomfortable the entire time. It was mainly the voice where she's like, ooh, Ray, ooh. (laughs) It was like calling down the stairs. And I was just like, what is happening? And she had like rose petals everywhere. And bless him, like he played along and he just crawled up the stairs so slowly. So she just kept going, ooh. Ray, and then finally he made it and then we heard lots of giggling and the doors closed and maybe she got all frisky after the trip where they were talking about sexy time i hope so i really hope so for karen's sake and ray's sake i hope they're doing good um i loved how she was like at first like Ray, and then it was like Ray. <laughs> yeah that was funny because he was taking the place if he was just taking a really long time going up the stairs yeah, but he's old man, like, <laughs> he's an old man. But yeah, also, um, I think one still hasn't proposed to Robin, speaking of lovey-doveyness, but he picked a ring, right, with Giselle earlier this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like we're building up to a season finale of like a dramatic proposal between one and Robin, and then she's going to be like key storyline next year with her wedding. That's my mm-hmm. prediction. Yeah, that's a good prediction. Um, in this episode, there was, like, some starting of casting doubt around whether one was going to propose. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the party, like, Karen made, like, a snipe comment to Robin, <gasps> which, like, to be fair, like, Robin kind of deserved it, but it was a bit out of, out of hand on Karen's part. Why did Robin deserve um, that? Because because Car- Robin's always, st- like, I love Robin. I'm Robin's number one fan. Yeah. But Robin is always starting shit. Like, Robin is at the centre of every drama, but you don't notice her because she's such a little snake. She's just like, um, about, oh, Ashley was going Karen about not drinking and saying she had a stomach ulcer in Portugal at the wig party. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Her own wig party. Yeah. And then. Robin goes, like, oh, Karen, like, were you worried that if you drink, you'll say something that you regret? Yeah. And then Cut to previous footage of when Karen drank too much with Wendy and Monique, I think, and she was talking about how she would have left Ray after all their money problems if she wasn't the one that had sunk all her money into saving him. And so, yeah, so I think the fact that they brought it up in front of Ray too, like, really set Karen off. Mm. So then... um, then when Robin said that, like, Karen goes to Robin, oh, well, you should worry about what Juan says when he's drunk, um, <laughs> which was a bit wild. Like, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that escalated very quickly. I think Karen does that sometimes if she feels like she's under attack, she'll just, like, quickly retaliate, like, with something three times as worse as what just happened to her, just 
You know what I mean? Out of self-defense, which is understandable. Yeah, totally. Um, so, but then in the previews for next episode, there's Michael's also casting doubt about um, Juan and Robin's relationship. I think so this we'll is just... happens next week. Nah, this is just dramatic build-up for a more romantic proposal. Okay. He's going to be like, we'll I'm see. sorry that I was like, ain't shit before, and I'm sorry I was a dickhead, whatever. And then it'll do like a big romantic. They're like, you're the best, you've held our family together, and and then they'll yeah. get married. And she's going to have a big, long storyline. Yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't mind to watch Robin get married. <laughs> Even though I don't really give a fuck about marriages at all. But <laughs> I wouldn't mind to see her. You just think anything. she's pretty. She's so pretty. I did really like her shirt in this episode. It's like half black, half leopard print. Um, I loved it. Speaking of clothing, but terrible clothing, Giselle cannot dress for fucking shit. I know we talk about it all the time, but... Some of the things that she comes up with this season, this week, it was a photo shoot she did with her girls and it was like a full on like gold lame sequined early 2000s fucking ball gown. It was hideous, but I found it really interesting because her daughters like fully did not want anything to do with their dad. Like, first of all, they were supposed to be going away with the family, I think to Atlanta and they're like, ew, we don't want to live in Atlanta. And Giselle's like, ever? Because your dad's there. And they were like, no, never. <laughs> And then they're like, they didn't even want to do the photo shoot with their dad without kind of going along with it for their mum. And then he didn't even turn up. That motherfucker didn't even turn up because he missed his flight or something. It was, she didn't even know where he was. And she was, Giselle was very like, oh, whatever. He tried his best. And even the person like doing her hair and makeup was like, you are letting him get away with a wild amount of shit. Like, what? Are you not upset? But I think she was just like holding it together for her daughter. So she wasn't like. Oh, he's done it again. Like, he's disappointed me and then crying. And she seemed like she was upset. But even the producers were like, were you sad? Like, did you feel anything? Like, you're letting him get away with a lot of, like, disappointing behavior. I really felt for Giselle in that moment. Like, him, I feel like him not showing up to a photo shoot with his family is all the information that you need <laughs> about yeah. him. Yeah. And, like, yeah. she, she didn't even know where he was. Like, she called him and was like, where the hell is Jamal Bryant? And he's like, I tried, like, sorry. He didn't seem like he was at an airport. I have no idea what happened, but anyway, he didn't turn up to their family fucking photo shoot, so that was a bit shit. Yeah, that was really bad. Giselle was kind of like, you know, when people kept asking her if she was upset, she was like, what do you want me to say? Like, I'm upset, I'm disappointed. Like, but what, like, so I kind of felt for her because I was like, yeah, like, which everybody's trying to, like, make her be accountable for him not being there and it's actually nothing to do with her she's like yes I'm mad but he's not here like and there's nothing I can do to change that so I was like that's true like we sort of need I feel like we sort of need to lay off Giselle about Jamal because Jamal's the problem not Giselle Jamal is 100% the problem but like even when they're in the car together no then she was a bit better but remember when he was like you know you've never said it before I didn't know that you wanted me to stick around but she was like what do you want me to say? I don't know. What do you want me to say? Like, she just needs to maybe be a bit more clear. And, like, I'm sure she told him that she was pissed off about the photo shoot thing or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. I think she's just trying to... T- but her girls were there. So I get it as well. You don't want to, like, fall apart. And then they're all going to be like, Mom, we told you so. Who's shit? Like, don't get back mm. together with him. I'm glad for her that she has her kids, even though it's not her kids' responsible responsibility to convince her that 
their dad's not shit, but like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Dads are disappointing worldwide and usually it's daughters that hold it together. That's so true. But I will say yeah. she's really good when she's like a mum with them because she lets them air out all their frustrations and she's not like, oh my God, get over it. This is the way it's going to be. Blah, blah, blah. He's your father. She's like, I need to listen to my girls and I hear them. And that's just the way that they feel. And I'm like, yes, come on, Parenting 101. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I do. I actually do respect the way that um, Giselle's handling this situation. Like, obviously, I don't think Jamal is shit. Like, genuinely, like, I have nothing. I have no defense for him. Um, <laughs> uh, but I do think that if you've been with someone for a long time and you know what they're like, you're just like, okay, like, I'm doing this relationship on my own terms. And, like, I think there is some sort of sense of Giselle being like, I'm doing this relationship on my own terms. And when he disappoints me, I'm just like, okay, you've disappointed me. <laughs> I'm not going to, like, fly off the handle because, like, I've she's probably been flying off the handle at him for the last 15 years. She's probably you know what exhausted. I mean? So she knows what to expect. Yeah. Yeah, she's fucking had it. Then she's trying a new a new tactic. Good for her. That's called growth. I've heard about it. <laughs> she's doing her best. She is. What too. else? I think that's everything for Potomac this week. Is the, it? Or did, was there anything we missed? The only other thing that I was going to mention was Michael and Ashley hosted dinner for Ashley's mum and I think her brother or someone, her stepdad. I'm not really sure who the other dude was. Um, basically to confront the fact that he cheated on her and betrayed the whole family and make him apologize to everyone and I understand the thought process behind it I just felt so like I wanted to die throughout this scene I loved it (laughs) I loved it I think that more people should behave the way that Ashley's family have behaved towards (laughs) men because like um as you know I don't I don't really like I'm an abolitionist so I don't support the criminal justice the settler criminal justice system (laughs) So I think that when men behave badly, um, families should come together to make them responsible for their actions. I oh, think that's yeah. Just, yeah. And I loved that Ashley's family were like, sit at the table with me, looking yeah. dead in the eye, yeah. and tell why you behaved like this towards my family member. Yeah. Tell know. me why you're not a piece, like, tell me you're a piece of shit. Like, he apologised and he felt really uncomfortable. I think my problem was that I could feel the discomfort and I was just like, oh, I want to die, I want to die. But I fully support the process of making someone completely uncomfortable and making them apologise for their shitty actions because there are ripple effects that happen when you behave like a piece of shit and you have a brand new fucking baby. So, of course, everyone hates you. Like, you've just betrayed their daughter and their grandchild. Like, because if you think about it a lot of families don't say anything when they behave badly they just let it fly under the radar they're like oh that's just their way like blah 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 but like the fact that her family was like no 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 (laughs) (laughs) please come and sit down and explain to us why you are in fact a piece of shit and you think it's fine to let it impact um so i loved it it was great there were a lot of examples of good behavior and a lot of examples of really bad behavior in this episode you're very right you are very right um other than that yeah i do think it was a bit of a filler episode like probably bridging to some drama that's coming next week yes and i will say karen's party was the shittest party in the universe it was like in the back room of a shop like at a strip mall oh (laughs) karen you're it was lo- a disaster because she left her own. Yeah, she like, ended up leaving her own because she was confronted with the fact that she 
did in fact invite Monique and didn't want to hear it. Um, so she left her own party and everyone there. And I think, I can't remember who it was. Was it Wendy? She's like, we've still got these fucking wigs on. Like, why aren't you at your party? <laughs> we need to get these taken out. It was quite funny. I loved Wendy's reaction. Oh, and also in this episode, Wendy finally told her mum that she's going to leave her professorship. And her mum went off at her, but then told her that she loves her. Yeah, very. It <laughs> was really cute. It, she did. It was. I felt like it was my parents. Like that first, they yell at you. I, my, the thing that I've learned with my parents, and probably with a, like in my case, a lot of other immigrant parents, is that they will fight you until they know they've definitely lost, and then they go, "Fine, I love you anyway." Like they, but they will not stop until they know definitively they've lost the argument. Yeah, know? that's so true. Actually, like until they know that they can't change, they can't yeah. pull you into that different decision yeah like when I got my visa for London and when I got a tattoo my mum knew I was going overseas and was going to get a tattoo and was fighting me every day sending me abusive messages the day after she knew that I got it she was like oh so what did you get send me a picture like (laughs) (laughs) fucking hell patty um but yeah I think that was that was the that was the main thing that happened this week should we move on to Salt Lake City Yes. Okay. So I want to acknowledge that Salt Lake City stands on the lands of the Eastern Shoshone and Ute people. Um, Salt Lake City this week, uh, it always opens with the Pioneer Pride. Like, it really, like, sets the tone for me. Like, that. Um, I think it's Heather that, mm. like, in the intro to Salt Lake City is always like, I'm a pioneer like my ancestors. And I'm just like, every episode I hear that and I'm just like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> the Pioneer Pride, it's coming. Um, Sorry, I know what you're talking about now, but I thought when you were saying it before, you were talking about a type of Pride Festival. And I was like, I don't remember opening any episodes with, like, Pride. <laughs> no. <laughs> So what I mean by Pioneer Pride is like, well, yeah. especially Heather and Whitney, who are yeah. like descendants of Sorry, a, I'm of with Mormon you church founders. <laughs> yeah, they're like really proud of like set violently settling Utah, basically. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or being descendants of people that violently settled or uh, continue to occupy um, Indigenous lands in Utah. Yeah. Well, again, we kick off with the flapper party. And while Jen looks like incredibly stunning and beautiful in her floor length gown that has nothing to do with um, flappers, she is like raging mad, like really, really mad. Um, And essentially is pissed off at Meredith for like being friends with Mary and going to her um, service, I guess, at the Pentecostal church, which Meredith is like super confused about because she's like, the last I knew of it, you two hugged it out and like, said it was all good. So no one really knows why you are still raging. Um, and Jen can't really offer her an answer because that's a fact. Like Mary apologized. They hugged it out. So they loved each other. And then she's still kind of clinging to this thing, though, to give herself a storyline, um, I might say. And then and then as and then Meredith kind of removes herself from the situation because she's like, I can't talk to you right now and disengages and that's honestly um the best thing she probably could have done and then after she kind of goes to leave and disengages jen is like yeah why don't you go be friends with mary who fucked her grandpa and i mean the thing is she kind of stated a fact and all the other women like whitney and heather and that are like well she did but she said it like it was an insult and we just don't really talk about it. You know, it wasn't really nice to call that out across across the room like that. So 
that's kind of where we left Jen kind of in a bit of a state and then Jen ended up storming out and she was like over in the bushes or something like was she vomiting she had like a, almost like a breakdown like it looked very dramatic and then her driver came and picked her up and she was like hyperventilating and obviously quite anxious and panicked yeah it was full on it was incredibly full on this was an <laughs> absolutely insane episode yeah um have you had a, a like an alcohol blackout before like from have you blacked out from drinking like to sleep yeah but not from like with rage yeah because i have and i've seen <laughs> other people have them and that's what it looks like is it um when you black out like so like when you drink too much and you've got like a lot of you drunk too much because you've got too much emotions built up um and then you black out like you it's like a rage blackout but it's alcohol induced and then you just go off and you don't remember like why you're going off anymore you've just like got this idea in your head and you're just going off oh. and then you wake up the next day and you're like what have I done <laughs> so I was very familiar with this scene I thought um Heather Heather chased after her and was like talking to her driver to come find her she's like I look like a flapper with cankles and I laughed at that also Yes, I thought Heather handled the situation really, really well. Yeah. Um, I was like, this person has seen this woman blackout <laughs> yeah. before. She has. She's like, these are one of Jen's anger blackouts. Like, yes, this is happening. Yes. Uh, it was so it was so hectic. And then, I mean, the next day Jen was like, I have emotional issues. Yeah, she <laughs> went to I Heather's. You know what I love about Jen as well? She ordered. She went to Heather's house to catch up. But she ordered a full-on sushi feast to be delivered to Heather's house at the same time that she got there so they could sit and eat. I was like, Jen is the best friend in the whole wide world. And then they showed a montage of her, like, obsessing about snacks and stuff and always having snacks with her. And I I fell a little bit even more in love with her. Also, she was wearing a beautiful shirt that had, like, a ruffled neck that was white and had black epaulettes on the shoulders. And I was like, I want a white shirt with a ruffled neck and black epaulettes on the shoulders. But anyway... (laughs) So she was like, she t- she explained why she was so emotional as well. Um, and her husband basically, as we've said before, is a football coach. And she was like, he's never home during the season. Like literally never. He leaves at like 5am, comes home whenever. And it's almost the one year anniversary of when her dad passed away. So she's just like, that's quite raw. Like one year is not a long time. Um, and she, she's just like feeling it particularly. So, yeah, she's, like, at a peak emotional moment. She is, yeah. I still think that she should have apologised. Yeah. Which she did not. No. Um, If that was me, I would be very shamed out and apologising profusely. Um, But she decided to just, just go with her original point. Yeah, yeah, she did. But, I mean, I guess she didn't need to apologise to Heather because later on, later in the episode... She apologised to one person, but maybe not the person that she needs to apologise to. Um, And then, yeah, so they're cool. She explains to Heather why she was so pissed off, blah, blah, blah. But she also went on a fucking tirade when she started talking about Meredith and told Heather that Meredith and her husband are separated. A secret that she knew for months and kept to herself until that moment. And Heather was like, oh my God. And the, apparently they're like, they're separated, but they're dating each other. 
and they're not dating anyone else. Fine, whatever. Um, I didn't like. I did not like how she used it on like a personal human level. However, on a housewife level, housewife level, I was like, oh, that was brilliant. Jen yeah. Shah is like a seasoned housewife. Like she was born to be a real housewife. She was like Salt Lake City. Yes, I'm. I'm ready to go. Let's do this franchise. Yeah. It was yeah. incredible. Yes. Yeah, this episode was a huge downward spiral <laughs> for Jen. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, yeah, it was very entertaining at Jen's expense. Yeah. Um, then Mary had a Met Gala party. She had a Met Gala-themed luncheon, which luncheon. looked awesome. <laughs> like, it was... <laughs> It was a table set just for the women, the ladies in some restaurant, and she had like these party plans. Mary is brilliant. Like I just love her so much, and she just goes to them. Can you read? But she asked them so earnestly, and she's like, "Oh, okay, just because this name's upside down on the place card." And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so scared." I hated that. I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. But then also on the table, so she had Louis Vuitton gift boxes for everyone, but she also had individual, what I just thought were like plexiglass boxes filled with water as like table decor, but actually filled with fish at each person's seat. It was insane. I wanted to go. That was my favourite part of the lunch. Yeah, I knew that would have been your favourite part. You would have been like, can I take the fish home? Oh, could you not take the fish home? You don't have the decoration. <laughs> I don't know. I assumed. What's she going to do with all those fish afterwards then if you don't take them home? I don't think Mary gives a fuck about the fish. Oh. I don't know. I hope the fish are okay now. I just thought they were table decor. But anyway, it was. I don't understand how it was Met Gala themed other than she wore lace. And sometimes a lot of people wear, like, depending on the theme. Like, it was very odd. She had these, like, tin soldier, like, men opening doors for people and also a red carpet and then it was just a daytime luncheon with fish at the table yes i loved it though loved it it so much absolutely insane yeah Um, and then she had like those that like uh discussion topic set up um for the people to like talk about their what was it like their deepest flaw or their deepest fear or something like that yeah she wanted everyone to reveal like a flaw about themselves or something they're working on or like a truth about themselves and write it down but Jen was like, I don't want to write this down. Like, can I just talk and not be interrupted? <laughs> so that's what happened. So Mary went first. I think she said that she had trust issues. No shit. Um, Whitney said that she wished that she cared less about what people think about her. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa's fucking Lisa. She said that her biggest flaw was that she had such high expectations of herself. And then she got teary and then pivoted to but I love myself and I'm not changing. And I was like, you, I, I don't think you understood the assignment. <laughs> um, Lisa reminds me of the kind of housewife that starts new and thinks they're going to be like popular hot shit just because like they're the richest or the thinnest or the prettiest or whatever. But actually everyone hates that person because you're so divorced from reality, but not in a fun way. Like, mm-hmm. so I can't stand her. And then Jen, <laughs> thank you. Um, and then it was Jen's turn and she talked more about the loss of her dad um, and being the oldest child in a po- Polynesian family and what that means to be the oldest of six people and the responsibility and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then basically how much she appreciates the fact that she started with nothing and had to work 50 times harder to achieve what she's got. Mm-hmm. To which Lisa interrupted 
I feel you. Shut up. Shut up, you stupid white woman. Everyone ignored her, thank God. And then Jen just, like, kept talking, which was good. Um, and she also talked about how words cut her really deep and she feels everything on a much more emotional level than everyone else. Um, like, is very, very loyal to her friends and this and that. And then after she kind of explained where she was coming from, and she, did she apologize to Mary? Meredith? No. Mm, I, she sort of was like, I'm sorry that, like, this is how I am. <laughs> Rather yeah. than, I'm sorry for what I did. For my actions, yeah, you're right. And Meredith yeah. was like, I appreciate that. It's good to know where you're coming from, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, yeah. Mary's like, oi, oi. <laughs> You've still not <laughs> said anything to me. I feel like maybe I deserve an apology also. Mm-hmm. Mm. I feel like... If Jen and Mary can work this out, they would be a formidable team. Oh, they will. But it'll be like season two or something. It'll be later down the line. There's going to have to be a very dramatic reunion, like three-part reunion, where they fight, where there's some tears, but they'll end it with like a hug and maybe like a one day of Andy. Who knows where it will be? Like maybe one day we'll reconcile. And then it'll be like they'll come back another time and be like unite against another common evil. Can't wait. I can't wait. I love Real Housewives. I feel like this is already such a strong franchise. Like, they've been doing it forever. It doesn't feel like the first season, does it? No, it doesn't. And you're so right. Like, the shoes just fit Jen and Mary so well. Like, they just are just housewife naturals. Yeah. Like, they're both lunatics. And, like, lunatics. It's, they're just, like, literally their life is just being a full-time lunatic and it's perfect like everybody wants to watch that yeah as much as i would love one day to think that i had it in me i know my life is so boring and not housewife worthy like i could never (laughs) but god i love watching other people live out my internal monologue it's amazing it is amazing all right and then we finished on a very dramatic to be continued so we'll come yes that was good we can't wait cannot wait yeah, um, so that's our Real Housewives stuff. But that was just what happened on screen this week. Some shit also went down behind the scenes. First of all, yes. as expect as suspected, should I say, apparently Erica Girardi and Tom's Tom Girardi's divorce is a fucking sham because they're only doing it, I think, to avoid losing money or avoid being sued or something to do with money. So it's, that's why it kind of got buried. Um, and this is not like a real divorce, apparently. I don't understand why anyone would do that. But if um, they got to do it, they got to do it. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I have no judgments on them. I th- apparently. Um, divorcing for money. Yeah. Yeah. Are they divorcing for money? It's like he's trying to protect her from something. Like his, his firm is going to go down or something. They've got so many lawsuits and shit coming at them. So I guess he did free Erica from that. Which is you called that, didn't you? You called that ages ago. I sure did. I sure did. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other ex- <laughs> not exciting news. Oh, I'm so I'm going to hell. Um, Kathy, Kyle, and the other one. Do you remember who it was? Um, and Dorit all have COVID <laughs> at the moment. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I find it so funny, but I do. <laughs> That's not good. No, I'm going to hell. I know, I know, I'm not a good person. Whatever, I wish them a speedy recovery. I hope they will. But the thing is, they were all filming. Beverly Hills, I think, was filming during the Rona, so that's bad. But more importantly, even though we've moved on from Real Housewives of OC, we've got some big news this week. Do you want to share it? No, you, you do it. 
<laughs> Bronwyn came out this week as a lesbian. <gasps> Can you believe? It's so exciting. It is so exciting. She didn't say she was queer, blah, blah, blah. She was like, I am a lesbian. I'm 42 and I'm coming out and I'm finally comfortable with myself and I'm in love. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was so good. It was so exciting to see Bronwyn come out this week as a lesbian. Oh, we so rarely get a lesbian come out as yeah. well. Like we often get a bisexual um, <laughs> here and there. It's so it's so rare to get a lesbian. Um, yeah, <laughs> to catch a lesbian yeah. is very rare. to see one in the wild even. Yes, super rare. Yes. <laughs> it was super exciting to have a openly lesbian housewife, especially from OC, which is like yeah. the most boring housewife franchise the most boring the most the only all i can think about that was even remotely on par with like when kim zolciak had a like lesbian encounter in like season three and then we had obviously the denise richards drama of beverly hills last year supposedly her and brandy had a little love affair and you know ashley's shenanigans but this is like actually i am a lesbian and it is so exciting i've loved bronwyn for a while now um and I'm so glad she continues to not disappoint me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's also dating um, a little cutie, apparently. Yes, we saw a photo of the person she was dating yesterday, and it was, as predicted, a little butch toy boy. <laughs> yeah, love it. If you're going to come out yeah. as a late-in-life lesbian, that's exactly who you should come out with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I loved how she talked about, like, she connected it to, like, drinking... Like, she stopped drinking and she was, like, finally... She finally had to, like, face herself. And I was just like, you've done so much for the, for us, Bronwyn. <laughs> like, <laughs> people have watched you, like, like, really face your own trauma and, like, emotional issues, like, bravely. Um, and decide, like, realise that you actually hate your disgusting... When, she didn't say she hates her husband. She says she's staying married to him. Um... Yeah, no, I think they're staying together, but she was like, not that he was an enabler, but kind of, she kind of said that, but they're staying together for the sake of the children, something, something, um, and they still love each other. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts for. Yeah. (laughs) That's good for her that she has his support in the meantime. Yeah. Um, I was, I just feel so proud of her. Like, she's got this obviously psychotic mother who... (laughs) has traumatized her she's Mm -hmm. had a very difficult life she's pushed everything about herself down with alcohol um and all she's just to manage her relationships yeah um and be who people wanted her to be and then she stopped drinking alcohol and like cold like i think cold turkey like really tried to like just stop we we watched it on the show yeah and then she just like looked looked herself in the eye and was like look what you've been doing to yourself let's Mm -hmm. change it and I was like, that is fucking brave, and I love and support you. Yes, I do too. And she just seems, I don't know, really, like, happy and glowy and at peace. And um, I'm really, really happy for Bronwyn. And I look forward to seeing this little toy boy in the next season, like, quite frankly. <laughs> I hope so. God, please. I really want them to cover this on the next season, so then it's worth watching again. Oh, my God. Same. That will bring me right back in again. As long as I don't fucking bring Tamara back, I'm I'm in. Um. Okay. That was very exciting news for the week. But it was. speaking of lesbians, speaking of lesbians, time. 
<laughs> it's fucking time. It is time. We have not discussed this at all yet. I've been dying to talk about this with you. Um, the Happiest Season came out last week. I I watched it on the weekend um, with my gay household and it was just... It made me so happy. How Did, did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't perfect. It was not perfect. <laughs> um, so, as we have previously mentioned, The Happiest Season was written by um, Claire Duvall who you might know from probably most famously in a lesbian context, but I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. I also loved her in the show Carnival. Um, She plays a queer woman in that show too. She's also been on Veep and like American Horror Story and she's on uh, The Handmaid's Tale too. Um, But most famously, I would say, but I'm a cheerleader. Would you agree? I would 100% agree. I loved her in Veep as well, but but I'm a cheerleader was like a very very big moment for me as a teen lesbian, especially Clea Duval in that role. So yeah, <laughs> I'm yes. sure I'm not alone. Absolutely. That's an iconic movie. Yeah. Like one of the best, best movies of all time, I would say. I agree. Um, so yeah, Clea Duval wrote the screenplay for this with Mary Holland, but like she wrote the story herself. Yeah. Um, and she directed the film. Um, I would have liked more Clea Duval in this movie. I wish she was yeah. actually in it because she was a lot more attractive than both the main characters in this film. <laughs> such an asshole. I would have loved if it was Kristen Clea Aubrey Plaza. Um, I really did not like whatever her name is, Mackenzie something that plays. Mackenzie Davis, yeah. Mackenzie Davis, she plays Harper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt nothing for her. There was zero beyond zero chemistry between her and Kristen Stewart. Um, mm-hmm. However, so the movie was, of course, Kay Stu ha- is an orphan. Her parents have both passed away, and so she doesn't really like Christmas time, and she didn't want to do anything for Christmas. She's a pet sitter. I'm sure you related um, and enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Um, so her girlfriend, Harper, invites her to go spend Christmas with her family, and Abby's like, you know what? Great. I love you so much. I will come and do that because I love you fine um turns out on the drive to go meet her family um harper tells her that they don't know she's a lesbian nor do they know that kristen stewart is a lesbian they think that i keep calling her kristen stewart abby her name's abby in the movie they don't know that she's a lesbian either so abby's gonna try and like be straight she does this by wearing open collared shirts and blazers and a lot of slouchy pants and looking amazing but for whatever reason, this family's never met a lesbian before and don't clock it. So um, they put them in separate bedrooms. God forbid two grown women share a bed together. And then Harper's problematic bullshit just continues from there for the entire duration of the trip. And every single scene, I was like, I don't understand why they're together. Like, I could not figure it out. She had no redeeming qualities to me. She was just an asshole the entire time. <sighs> There's so much wrong with this movie. Like, <laughs> I'm really struggling to, I like know where to start with what was wrong with this movie. Yeah, I some can things tell. I liked about this movie was Dan Levy. Dan I Levy love played, Dan Levy. Pastry's um, best friend. Um, he was a great character. I yep. love Dan Levy as a person. Yep. Right now, Dan Levy is fundraising for Indigenous and Native Studies at universities in the USA and Canada. Yep. Um, because. And he's been doing, like, interviews with, like, my favourite Indigenous academics um, on YouTube. Go and check it out. He's a ledge. I love Dan <laughs> Levy. Um, 
I loved his character in this. He was the funniest person in this movie. I loved it. <laughs> he was. Um, Aubrey Plaza was hot as fuck. I hot died. The, as fuck. I went to see... So hot. I went to see this at the movie. <sighs> and it was at Broadway. <laughs> where oh. there are a lot of lesbians. Um, and I, I love to go and see a gay movie at Broadway. I went to see... Um, <laughs> The Freddie Mercury. I can't remember what it was. It Queen. Was the, what What was the Queen movie? The oh. Freddie Mercury movie. Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. I went to see Bohemian Rhapsody, the sing along at Broadway, um, <laughs> at Ultimate, and I went to see, like, I went to see that at um, Broadway, and it was a sing along version, and like kids came and were like oh. down the front wearing like feather boas and performed like the whole movie while I was watching the movie. It was iconic. Anyway, so I went back to Broadway to watch this movie. Love it. Because I was like, I want to watch it with the gays. And I did watch it with the gays. Mm -hmm. And every time Aubrey Plaza came on screen, (laughs) there was audible gasps. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish I had that experience. I just watched it in my house. Um, with my girlfriend and my two housemates, and they were like, none of them were impressed. I was just like, <gasps> but I was alone. Um, oh, that sounds so fun. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza was hot as, as fuck. Her and Kristen Stewart had so much chemistry, like, compared to anything else happening in the movie. So, something that really bothered me about this movie is the investment in in family and Christmas. So, like, okay. I have such an issue with coming out as a practice. Um, coming out is a distinctly, I, I would say, a distinctly Western practice. There's an expectation among white, queer, um, and even trans people that, um, like, one must come out to be and express their authentic mm-hmm. self. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does just not carry for a lot of other communities. Um so I really didn't appreciate this movie demonizing the character that that didn't want to come out, that wasn't ready to come out. Yes, I that agree said, with I that. Don't, I don't agree with that character's behavior, and I didn't no. like the character in the movie, but I didn't appreciate how we were set up to not like the character. Um, sure. And that character was set up as a bad person um, and potentially, like, abusive for not not being ready to come out to their family. Yeah. Um, I didn't appreciate this idea that, like, you need to be able to come home for Christmas and be accepted by the family to have your happily ever after. Um, what else did that I appreciate? <laughs> There's so many things I didn't appreciate about this movie. I think um, also, apart as well as the, the fact that she wasn't out, which is, you know, set out to demonise her, but it was also the fact that, like, she didn't give Case Stew a heads up enough. And did, throughout their relationship, Kristen didn't even know that, like, her parents didn't know that she had a girlfriend or whatever, which again, that's up to her girlfriend to disclose, but it's because she, you know, Kristen Stewart was in the dark, (laughs) Kristen Stewart, Abby was in the dark about it. Um, but she just also throughout the trip was like abandoning her and going off with her like dumb high school friends and with her ex-boyfriend and kind of just leaving Kristen to hang out with Aubrey Plaza to be fair, which is way an upgrade. Um, I still can't believe they didn't even kiss or anything. Like, they definitely fucked off screen, I reckon. Um, but it was very bizarre in the movie that that didn't culminate in anything. It was always, like, you know, kept PG. But, yeah, Harper was just an awful, awful human being. But you're right, not for the fact that she didn't 
has, wasn't ready to come out yet. But she also did something really horrible to her ex-girlfriend. In, but in high school, again, because of her own kind of demons and internalized, you know, homophobia and inability to come out. So she kind of outed her girlfriend so that no one would know that she was a lesbian. So were you talking about um, when, ha- like, when the, the story about um, Harper, like, and Aubrey Plaza in high school and, um, like, they were writing notes to each other and then Harper's friends saw the notes and then um, everyone, you know, Harper just said she's gay and, like, then everybody bullied her and stuff like that. Yeah. So, look, there's so many ways... (sighs) There's so (laughs) many ways that this society forces queer people to behave badly to one another. I just have to say that. Okay. And... What queer people do to survive um, is, a, is a direct result of that. Yeah. Of how straight yeah. people treat them. Yeah. And, so and shame. For me, exactly. And for me, what this movie could have done is set queer people up against that, mm. um, which I think Dan Levy's character was good because Dan yeah. Levy and even maybe more so Aubrey Plaza's character, they were good because they were set up against that. Do you know what I mean? They yeah. were like, we're queer people and they treat us like shit and we don't care. Like, we do care, but we're actually just sick anyway. Um, and yeah. what was wrong with Harper's character was that Harper's character was invested in that and still trapped in that cycle of really wanting... Um, of, of compulsory heterosexuality and, and an investment in compulsory heterosexuality... Mm-hmm. And the way that Harper behaved was a direct result of the discrimination that queer people face. Um, and I don't think that the way that this movie was written was forgiving enough of that. I think this movie yeah. just set Harper up to um, behave badly over and over again in a way that was unforgivable. Yeah. And what we actually need are movies that forgive and allow for nuance um, for queer experience because queer experience is extremely complicated and results in bad behaviours because of the trauma queer yeah. people experience from discrimination. That was my issue with this film. That yeah. said, I agree with you, but Harper's character behaved terribly. <laughs> terribly. Um, I also hated Kristen Stewart's character, though, I have to say. <laughs> the mopiness, <laughs> the brokenness, the carry-on, I hated it. <laughs> the carry-on? <laughs> Oh, too much carry-on from Kristen Stewart. There's always a lot of carry-on from her. Oh, uh, watch how you talk about my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think there was enough, quite frankly. I would have <laughs> pulled Harper up on her shit more. She was just like, oh, I love her. I don't want to rock the boat. And then when she finally decided to, like, leave, Harper reeled her back in again. But once again, I will go back to Dan Levy, actually. He's such a like brilliant, wonderful friend. I, he kind of reminded me of my friend Chris because Chris is a demon most of the time, but then in surprising moments will be very like nuanced and thoughtful. And you're like, oh, that's annoying that you're bringing up that very real true point. But like when he kind of had her outside the house, like Chris and Stuart, and he was like, what was your experience of coming out? You know? And she was like, oh, my parents told me they love me. We're proud of me. He's like, okay, well that was your experience. And he kind of, um, established for her that that's not everyone's lived experience and was like the I hate the phrase devil's advocate not devil's advocate but he reminded her that there are other experiences of like being part of the queer community that was not like hers so kind of at the same time she's also feeding into the same 
sort of structures that you talked about that Harper also cares about, but from a this is how it worked for me kind of way. I agree with that. And I think there was a few times um, in this movie where it, it did try to be really self-aware like about that um, in terms of like um, marriage, for example, like how um, I don't even know Abby. Abby was Kristen Stewart's uh, character's name. Yeah. Was like going to propose yeah. um, to Harper. And, you know, like the happy ever after was that um, they got engaged and Abby was allowed to join the family. And, mm. like, it kind of replicated, like, this heteronormative yeah. model and experience. And that was the happy ever after, which I also um, found disgusting. <laughs> um, because, you, like, realistically, a person who, whose family, like, heavily discriminates against queer people, it's very unlikely that that's the outcome. Yes, and at least not for a very long time. It takes a very long time, um, and there are a lot of complications. um, And I know, like, what I can see what Claire Duvall was trying to do. Like, she was just trying to give us some, like, holiday joy and, like, happiness. And she was like, what if it just did work out? And it was super nice. And I appreciated that. Like, I felt good about it. Yeah. Um, But I also, like didn't believe it or wasn't invested in it. Like, can I just say what I, something I really liked about this movie was Alison Brie's character. Oh, love her. Alison Brie in this movie, even though I talked shit on her last week. Yeah. See, um, I loved this character. I loved there was, I have two sisters. Um, I loved the sister (laughs) dynamic uh, as a subplot in like, yeah, important part of this movie about their competitiveness and their need for, validation and approval from their parents yeah um i love there was a physical fight yeah (laughs) i did think of you i was like oh there we go they're getting it all out healthy yeah i love a physical wrestle with me siblings um we all probably have one on christmas this year we're known to punch on at christmas time um i loved that there was some really good things about this movie that were like really enjoyable yeah Um, it was overall enjoyable and i'm kind of torn because one of my key most hated things about like queer people in the media and in pop culture is that usually it's completely overly sanitized the only way that these characters are sort of part of the world around them or you know feature is in like you said kind of taking compare like pulsary heterosexual sort of roles and like real sanitized roles in their relationships where it's not about sex or being queer or anything and it's like you know they did have sex in this movie sure we saw a little like rumble on the bed and then that was it but I feel like so many times when they show queer people the only way it's palatable is to take away anything that's like super fucking queer (laughs) yeah I hate it but I also really enjoyed this movie (laughs) Uh, yeah, I hated it and I enjoyed it and I'll watch it again probably every year at fucking Christmas time. Um, oh god, yeah, I it was the it was the waspiness for me, like the waspiness of the two main characters. Fucking straight out the bat, I messaged you. I was like, the hair is thin, the lips are thin, the women are thin. Everything's like all like everything's the same color. It's all pale. Like straight out the back gate, I was like, oh, this is a bit hideous. Um. I, just, I can't I'm sick of seeing lesbians that are like stick thin um, Same. femme to androgynous not like 
you know, like bull dykes. Yeah. Bull dyke never gets to join the family in these movies. Do you know what I mean? Like, exactly. Bull dyke is too queer to join the family. I want to see bull dykes. I want butch representation. Like enough, <laughs> enough. I mean, I'll always take Kristen Stewart any day of the week, but only her going forward. <laughs> enough. I miss um. Remember? Did you yeah. ever watch If These Walls Could Talk too? Yes. Or was it Chloe Sevigny? She plays the bull dyke. Yes. That, that again, that key one. part of my sexual awakening. But like, bring that back. <laughs> bring interesting relationships back and actual like queer representation. But anyway, but I'm gonna watch it every single year. I'm probably gonna watch it again this yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I liked the Michelle Couture cameo, but I wish Michelle. <gasps> was the main character. <laughs> I would yeah. like to see I would like to see a Christmas movie where Michelle Bateau <laughs> gets fucking swept off her feet by a bull dyke <laughs> in like the fucking Caribbean or some shit. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. that's what, that's what I, I thought you were gonna say like get railed or something. <laughs> You're really building up to it. I was like, yeah, yes. Okay, sure. <laughs> Um, I would love to see that. There's a free idea for Hollywood. Please. Please. Let's tell Hannah to write this movie. Hannah, please write this movie. Yes, please, Hannah. (sighs) It could be an action movie too. I imagine (laughs) Michelle Bateau's titties might get in the way. (laughs) I don't want to see an action movie at all. I want to see a festive Christmas rom-com, but with Michelle Bateau and a bull dyke. Okay, here's the the plot. Michelle Bateau hates Christmas because it's a Christian colonial holiday. She goes on holidays to the Caribbean to escape her family because her family are a nightmare. Yeah. And she meets a sexy bulldog who works at the hotel, but they have to have a secret torrid love affair. <laughs> Sounds like a cross so far between four Christmases featuring Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn and forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> But 10 out of 10 would watch. Why does it have to be a secret, though? I'd love to say it. Well, I'm just ass- I'm making assumptions, but um, I just assume that maybe where she was in the Caribbean, it might be illegal to be gay. Oh, so okay. So it might have to be a secret. That's a but very full-on... that would also be okay. Yeah, it does need some kind of um, tension, though. Otherwise, the story doesn't exist. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. I would love to see that. Maybe some hilarious, like, paddle boarding, surfing lessons as well. Like, cute. Yeah. Alternatively, here's another <laughs> idea. Um, <laughs> Nicole Byer oh. um, is on a cruise. The cruise gets shipwrecked. She's the only survivor, but she washes up on an island <laughs> that's a population of entirely women. <laughs> I would also watch it. <laughs> See, I'm just full of good ideas today. You really are. You know, when we first started our conversation this morning, I thought you were going to be a little sleepy, but you have come through with the goods. <laughs> yeah. I hope that we see more. I can't I can't even think of a lesbian TV show or movie that I'm, like, really happy with. We liked Vita. Oh, I loved Vita. Vita was really good, actually. I really um, loved Vita. I also, like, loved the L word, but not for any good reason. And that's because I was a teenager. 
I have so many complaints about so the many. I think we need to address it in a whole episode yeah. because <laughs> I have endless complaints about it. I agree. Um, although I did enjoy it and we'll watch it probably again. Yeah, of course. Um, oh, God, there was one I was just going to mention, but I forgot it. Sorry. It yeah, Butter Machilita was a good movie. But, I mean, they're very few and far between, especially lesbian movies. Like, it's always in a foreign language or takes place hundreds of years ago where it takes the entire movie for their fingertips to brush each other's or devastating (laughs) or an older woman who cheats on her husband or something. And, like, it's just, oh, I just want, like, we've talked about it before, a joyful lesbian movie. So for this one... I really thought it was going to be a bit more joyful than what Clea Duval decided to give us, but I'll still take it. Someone on Twitter said, um, it's the most, les- the most lesbian part of the happiest season is the internal soul searching that Clea Duval is making us do following <laughs> like the romantic comedy. That's so true. Yeah. But I'll, I'll take it for now because what choice do I have? Um, well, I'm glad, I'm glad we have a lesbian Christmas rom-com. Yes, it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. I hope you have a wonderful week. I have nothing more to add. (laughs) Me neither. neither. I hope everybody has a nice Christmas season. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, I hope that you have a nice break from work. Mm. And I hope um, that you take care of yourself if you have to go home to a psychotic family this Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) You're speaking from a personal place. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well on that note um, I hope you have a lovely break too Maddie thanks um, and I will chat to you soon okay oh Bye, good morning oh. good evening <laughs> we really are two fucking two kids um, I hope you enjoyed that episode it was gloriously um, lesbian centric I mean I know a lot of there's a lot of gay stuff <laughs> but that was a fun one and I enjoyed particularly making up new lesbian um, Christmas rom-coms also, we lied. We'll be back next week. <laughs> we just can't stop talking about Real Housewives. Um, so I hope you enjoyed. Have a lovely week and come back soon. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe um, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Thanks. <laughs>